Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Manoya. Join me each week as we probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Welcome back, everybody, to Anchored in Reaching. I'm really glad you're joining us. Uh, Susanna and I are here waiting with bated breath to see how this conversation <laughs> unfolds, and I'm sure that you are as well, because it's really kind of cool. Somebody asked me this last week whether we have planned out who's going to say what and when and how it's going to be said, and I said, nope. We just start <laughs> a conversation, and uh, there it goes. So we're into a conversation today on servant leadership, and I want to remind you that we are in a series called Masterful Living, and that has to do with becoming full of the mastery. You remember the introduction, you remember the last few conversations, talking about what it means to be full of the master and therefore reflecting the nature of the master. And we are going through 10 descriptors, 10 descriptors that we hope will begin to show up in your life as you increasingly seek to be full of the master. Uh, Susanna, and is there anything else you want to add to lay in the framework for this? Um, no, that was a great introduction. We definitely don't have planned out what we're going to say and when. In fact, I have never heard the phrase bated breath before this exact moment. Really? So really? <laughs> this is coming in real time. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? So I guess if I asked you how to spell it, you probably wouldn't be able to do that either. No, I could. I won the spelling bee <laughs> when I was a kid. So. Okay. Well, maybe it's just an old school <laughs> word that nobody uses anymore. And eventually it's going to find its way into the back of the dictionary. Um, I don't know what the, I, what would, what would be the popular word today? I try to learn new vocabulary words from people like you, but Everyone, we have been waiting with anticipation. We're excited for this conversation. <laughs> I'm sure you all picked it up. I just can't pass up an opportunity to tease Kevin with all of yes. his vocabulary. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> we have been excited to continue this conversation because every single episode, it's really practical and it really matters the way you live your life. So we're not just talking about this. This is all stuff that you can live out. And today we're talking about servant leadership, which if you've been around um, the business world for any number of years, this has become a really popular term. I remember when I was in high school, my student council teacher sitting us all down and talking to us about servant leadership. So this may have become somewhat of a buzzword or something you've tuned out. Oh yeah, we should be servant leaders. But there's a level of depth to this that we want to go into today um, that really sets us up for the why and the how. And so that's what Kevin is going to kick us off with. Thanks, Susanna. That's a really good setup. And, a, and uh, it does really focus us on the importance of this subject. And, uh, you know, you're right that a lot of people do dial into this, not just in the church world, but in education, in, in the business world, 
and frankly, all over the world, people are talking about servant leadership. And I think probably that's largely due to the fact that Robert Greenleaf, in his classic work by this title, made this word kind of a central feature of business practice especially. And, and at the same time, it's very easy to relegate this idea of servant leadership to just another style. I remember teaching a course by this, by this title called Servant Leadership that I had developed at a, at a master's level at the university. And I walked in to see, say hi to the students who were gathering in the first class. And I asked one young lady, why are you in this class? She said, because I've heard about servant leadership and I heard that it works. Well, immediately I realized that she had some presuppositions about what servant leadership is and that somehow it was a set of skills and behaviors, uh, a set of practices that if she applied them correctly would yield really good results. Mm -hmm. And therefore the bottom line and the Q1 through Q4 reports would come in great. And uh, she just needed to learn the practices of servant leadership. And I knew I had a challenge on my hand because I tend to approach servant leadership a little differently. I take what Greenleaf has talked about and all of the others, Larry Spears has picked that up with a lot of depth in terms of his thinking as well, but I tend to want to go a little bit farther into that. And I honestly believe that before Greenleaf passed, he was starting to play around with some of the foundational elements that I want to talk about today, but never really got a chance to express them. Servant leadership is much more than a style of leadership. We don't put it up there with kind of laissez-faire leadership and transactional leadership or, or uh, situational leadership or theory X, theory Y. It's not so much a, a style of leadership. In my way of thinking, servant leadership really comes straight out of Scripture, and it deals with the condition of the leader who has postured themselves as a servant. And so that has huge ramifications because now it becomes not so much a question of what are the what are the 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 skills that I can learn and replicate, what are the behaviors that I can mimic that will yield the right kind of a result and make people do what I want them to do. Now it has to do with some self-examination and reflection about the condition of the bottom of my iceberg, the condition of my life. So when we talk about the idea of servant, and then we go to Scripture for that, uh, really, I associate it with the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, the mind of Christ, where Jesus actually emptied himself and humbled himself. Now, that was the, the, the principal journey of becoming a servant. Isaiah tells us he was a servant, the great servant, the great servant leader, but he didn't do that by mimicking behaviors. He did that by emptying himself and humbling himself to become inherently by very nature a servant. And many people would think that Jesus became a servant of people. When you read in Luke, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. We assume that Jesus is a servant of people. Wrong. Jesus is not a servant of people, and we are not called to be a servant of people. We are not called uh, to somehow elevate people to the point where we are their are their servants, and that that that's really tough a lot for a lot of pastors to understand because they go to a church or they pastor a church in an effort to be a servant to their people. No, you are a servant to one. Jesus did not come to be a servant to people. He came as a servant of God. Now, as a servant of God, that rewired Jesus' nature to such an extent 
that his ministry was characterized by patterns, priorities, behaviors that would advance the principal mission and priority of God in relation to the world. Well, what was the the top priority of God relating to people? Well, it is the reconciliation of people back to himself. So by virtue of becoming a servant of God, Jesus now aligned his priorities and his activities in a way that would advance the top priority of what I call his master, who was his father. He was about his father's business, uh, aligned his priorities to advance the mission of God in the world, and that was ministering to the needs of people such that they would be reconciled with God. So you see, Servant leadership is influence, because we know that leadership uh, is nothing more than influence, leadership that reflects the nature and the priority of the one whom we serve. And in this case, Jesus served God, so his nature was a reflection of God. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And his priorities were aligned to the priorities of God. He was given the ministry of reconciliation. And so his ministry was driven, both in terms of what he did, to reconcile people to God And it was done in a way that reflected God, God's love, God's mercy, God's judgment, God's God's justice, and so forth and so on. So when we bring this into full circle then, and we talk about servant leadership for ourselves, we are not called to be a servant of people. We are called to be a servant to a master, and that master, I hope, will be God, And God's nature then will become our nature. We will be holy as he is holy. And our priority will be realigned to God's priority, which is to minister to people. Now, what's important here is that you can select, you can can either by intention or by default, by neglect, have any number of masters. You can have money as your master. You can have power as your master. You can have position as your master. Well, uh, you know, for the interest of time, if you if you show me someone whose master is money, I'll show you someone who's becoming greedy. Show me someone whose master is power, I'll show you someone who's becoming abusive. Whose master is manipulative or, or is, is position, I'll show you someone who's manipulative. You see, so the master, what I call the servant master construct, is very much active here. You can see more about it in the video series on servant leadership, but but we are when we voluntarily submit ourselves to a principal referent in our lives that i'm calling a master then we will become like our master in our nature and we will align our priorities in alignment with our master in doing what pleases them that to me is servant leadership and it's much more than a style you can be an autocratic leader you can be a participatory leader you can be a theory x leader a theory y z uh, y leader you can be a situational leader you can be uh, an operational any number of styles of leadership and still be a servant leader because servant leadership is not a style it's a condition wherein we reflect the nature and priorities of our master. So there's a lot more there, but at least that gets it on the table for us to start chatting about and exploring. Yeah. There's a couple things you said that I want to repeat and talk about. 
One of them you just repeated, which is the idea that servant leadership isn't just a style. It is something that we infuse into all of the other styles of leadership that we do. And you said that servant leadership isn't something that we do to yield a specific result of success, which I think is a really important differentiation uh, between these other leadership styles that we read about. That is how it has somewhat been sold to us, right? If you've read it in in leadership books, and I understand why, because ultimately, if you're in a business setting or you're in a school setting, we want to yield specific results. And so people buy hold of servant leadership as the way to get where they want to go. But ultimately, as Christians, that's not why we're engaging in servant leadership. We're engaging in servant leadership because it is the posture of our lives we want to take. We want to take that posture of being a servant to Jesus, and then that is going to naturally influence everything that we do. So mm-hmm. I think that's an important differentiation. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard for people to understand, and certainly every system in the world around us tends to lead us to thinking about this uh, as a style, because all of the systems are looking for outcomes. They're looking for production. They're looking for, you know, widgets coming off the assembly line or or numbers that are going to quantify how successful we've been. And and this is one that that really deals with who we are. Now, you know, people may say, well, how does this relate to the living the masterful life or ho- the holiness of God in us? Well, it's a very close connection because the closer we are to God, the more of the master that is within us, the more of God that is within us, the more we are going to want to voluntarily submit ourselves to the influence of that master so that the master mm-hmm. can be seen through us. Nature of holy holiness and priorities of reconciliation. So, so the systems of the world tend to evaluate success and performance and outcomes and and this is very counterculture because mm-hmm. we're saying no think about your nature now you can put on the style of leadership that you want for for getting the outcomes done but the question is what's the nature of the person that is that is doing the work right and mm-hmm. and uh, filling the role Yeah, and I'll even take it a little bit further in that I think in Western Christianity, we have allowed the idea that if we do A plus B plus C, then we'll be blessed. If we adopt a servant leadership style, then our churches will be blessed. Our business will be blessed. If we, um, you know, give a certain amount of tithe money, then we're necessarily going to get financial blessing in return, right? So we have all of these things that we've allowed to seep into our mentality that is the system of the world seeping into kingdom living. And the reality is that you might adopt, you might live as a servant leader of Jesus, and it might not yield the type of business success that you're imagining, but I promise you that it will yield kingdom success. Yes. And, and why are we doing it in the first place? It's not to gain a particular type of result as much as it is to be a particular kind of person. And that's the, that's the differentiation we're making. Yeah, that's a really good differentiation, Susanna. It, you know, now here's the, here's the, the tough part, because 
it's easy to go to one extreme or another. It's easy to say, uh, we need people of high competence who are going to produce numbers, grow the church. I want to see numbers because numbers tell me whether we're finding effect or not. And then we become a slave to the numbers. We need competence. On the other hand, we may find people who say, you know what, numbers aren't important. We just need to be good people. We need to be godly people. We need to be holy people. So the tension exists in the balance mm-hmm. between this idea of servanthood, who I am, and performance of what I am to do, because, you know, the the church can't, I mean, it's not appropriate for Christian leaders in business, education, or the church to be godly as a standard, but not competent, or competent but not necessarily godly. Does that make sense? I mean, at some point, we got to find a balance between these two extremes. Character and competence are both necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and servant leaders, I think, who are servants of God at least, um, need to understand that that means that is the highest level of excellence you can pursue. Personally, if I had my own church, I would always choose the person who was focused on posture over results any day if I had to choose one. But I do understand what you're saying about the importance of the balance there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very easy, I think, for for us to emphasize competence over character or over the, the posture in order to get stuff done. After all, that's a stewardship principle. And in Christian leadership, we got to, you know, we got to get stuff done. Uh, The problem is that competence without character or without the posture leads to arrogance. Now, the converse is also a pitfall because uh, posture without competence or character without competence will lead to irrelevance. You have a whole bunch of nice people hanging around, but you're not getting anything done. And it's like this little holy huddle out here that's that's nobody cares about, right? Mm-hmm. And so finding that careful integration is, I think, really important as a, as a servant leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think looking for that is is really centered in or or the way we look for that is to, look for what is it that God is trying to accomplish here. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm humbled and postured in a way that the ministry or the mission of God is my priority, uh, and I'm submitted to that, now all of a sudden I will reflect that in my actions, right? Yep. Yeah. That's good. The second thing I wanted to talk about was how you said that servant leadership is not about being a servant to people, but to God first. And I think it's worth mentioning that being a servant to God does spill over into servanthood to others. And you kind of articulated that in another way. However, the really good thing about this understanding is that a lot of times, and I'm thinking from a pastoral context, pastors, they think, okay, I have to serve people. I have to, I have to lay my life down and, and almost as like a, a martyr, right? I'm serving the people around me. Boundaries fall down because they're justifying it because this is what Jesus did. He laid down his life. And 
I think that that can really dangerously cause us to slip into, like you said, being a servant to people and not God, being a servant to people pleasing and not God, being a servant to not offending anyone, um, even to our own competence and our ability to be enough, right? When the reality is that we are finite human beings and that's part of this deal. We are in a dependent relationship with the infinite God, but that means Mm -hmm. that we're finite. And so- it's so important that we keep that order in line. And again, it will still serve people, but if we ever are serving people at the expense of serving God, even if that means, oh, wow, I'm so overextended that I haven't spent time with the Lord, that I'm not at peace, then our alignment is off and yeah. we're not serving the master first and foremost. Yes. Yeah. I think our English language does us a disservice here mm. because you know, we tend to conflate the understanding of, of servanthood and service. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about serving people or serving God. Well, I try to pull the meanings apart. That's why I use the phrase, we are a servant to our master. And, and, in, our, and in our case, in our conversation here, a servant of God and a minister to people. Because in the Luke passage, the word there is not servanthood. It is the diaconate. It is the service that we provide to people. The Son of Man has not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's a probably more accurate way of, of translating that passage. You know, and so our English language tends to conflate this word servant, service, and all that. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a really good illustration, and I don't know if you've ever watched. Did you ever see the movie Made in Manhattan at all? Did a you ever long watch time that movie? ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, now you're dating me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I know. It seemed like yesterday to me. Um, anyway, in in the movie The Made in Manhattan, Jennifer Lopez acts as this maid in a New York City hotel, and she gets caught trying on people's clothes in their rooms. And of course, she gets fired because of that. And the the chief butler, who's in charge of the maids, you know, thinks that, that some mercy should be extended. And so on the day that she goes down to turn in her maids uniform in the basement the butler's there to meet her and he has his uniform and he's going to turn it in with her as a sign of solidarity with her mm-hmm. and 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 but he he made this phrase he said this phrase that i think is the best phrase of the whole movie and he and he looked at her and he said we may serve them but we are not their servants And in that moment, the very clear distinction between providing a service to people, whether that's cleaning their rooms or whether that's creating a business structure that will serve people or whether that's offering ministries to the homeless and church ministries, it is a service that we provide without being their servants. You see, Mm -hmm. we are a servant to one. And I, I think that distinction has to be made here. Yes, I think that that's so valuable and hopefully something that people listening to this can take away and really evaluate in their own ministry. Because I think it's really easy to just slowly slip into that in ministry. And okay, throughout this week, who am I truly a servant of? And then what services am I offering? And what do I have capacity to offer? What is the Holy Spirit even asking me to? Well, and that also segues naturally 
uh, as we wrap up here. And that's, that's a great segue into the next episode where we're going to be talking about meaningful work, vocation, because whether it is in the church or whether it's in the business realm or the education realm, you know, we are called to be a certain kind of person and uh, to serve or to minister to or to utilize our gifts in ways that have maximum impact that is consistent with the priorities of God, whether that's in business, education, or the church. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. So it's been a good conversation, though. Yes, great conversation. And we love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments. Honestly, the reason we do this is because we love having these conversations and we want to wrap you guys into these conversations as well. So if you have any questions, comments, you can email us at podcast at anchoredandreaching.com podcast at anchoredandreaching.com. And those go directly to Kevin and I. So shoot us a note, even just say hi, tell us what you're doing for the holidays. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope you have a good rest of your day. Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Likewise, blessings on everybody. Talk to you guys soon. Let me encourage you to keep leaning into the wonderful adventure of becoming all that God has envisioned for you to be. Anchoring yourself in a secure identity, you reach with confidence to engage with people and daily life all around you. Allow your curiosity to explore and find God in the edges. Please take time to share this podcast with all your friends and invite them to join me in upcoming weeks as we explore together this exhilarating journey of being anchored and reaching.